Oh yeah. Uh, uh, feels good. Greetings and hi there. This is the Head Speaks Podcast, a proud member of the Headcast family. I am your host, Aaron Moss, also known as Brother Head. Welcome to Head Speaks, where I'll be talking about comics, movies, and recent news items that interest me. Basically anything that strikes my fancy. Warning! Warning! This podcast may not be family friendly. Head Speaks may contain adult language, adult content, fantasy violence, and nudity. You have been warned. The young, stupid, and easily offended may not want to listen to this headcast. In other words, parental guidance is more than suggested. Now, before we get started today, let's hear a word from a friend of the show. Star Trek. Comic books. Mythology. Video games. Toys. Star Wars. Just about any geeky topic you can think of could be covered on the Hammer Podcast, presented by two true freaks. Come join me, Gene Hendricks, for whatever my disjointed mental processes can come up with, and be careful, or you might just learn something before we're done. The Hammer Podcast is available monthly, both on its own iTunes feed and at twotruefreaks.com. Mr. Pretzel, Mr. Lipstick, Mr. Mitzelfuzzle? Mr. Mitzi's Pitlick? Yeah, him! He's also part of the DC Who's Who. Who's Who, the definitive podcast of the DC Universe. Available monthly at Aquaman Shrine, Firestorm Fan, and on iTunes and Stitcher as part of the Fire and Water podcast. Thanks, Shag and Rob. Those are two great podcasts, The Hammer Strikes and then The Who's Who. And as I say, almost every month, The Who's Who also has the Fire and Water podcast, which is a member of. Definitely check those out. But that's enough for advertisements for right now. First of all, from everyone here at Head Speaks, uh, we want to hope that everyone listening had a great, fantastic Christmas and that Santa was good to you. And if you were bad this, this year and you got coal in your stocking... Well, hopefully Santa left you a little something else also. I know my Christmas is pretty good. Um, A little housekeeping, first of all. Uh, I'm going to try something new for a couple episodes. I'm going to try doing some smaller episodes. Uh, Kobosa might have been an hour and a half to three hours or so. 
I'm going to try doing some smaller episodes, see how that works out. Uh, again, let me know what you guys think, whether you like the larger episodes or the smaller episodes. I heard from a, a new listener, uh, Gene. Uh, yes, that's the Gene from Hammer Strikes. Uh, great guy. Uh, he was saying that he, when he does his own podcast, he prefers the smaller episodes, but he doesn't really care too much when he's listening. You know, it's my podcast, or however I want to do it. So I'm going to try a couple episodes that are smaller and uh, see how that works out. I need you guys to let me know what you think. Uh, send me an email. Uh, go on my blog. Go on my Facebook at Ed Speaks. On Facebook, you can find me. Uh, the Facebook group, anyways. Uh, let me know what you think. Anyways, our first segment today is going to be a little head. Still don't have a uh, jingle for this, but I'm working on it. Uh, this week on a little head, we're going to do something a little smaller, a little less less personal than last week or last episode's uh, segments. Uh, this segment, we're going to talk about podcasts that I listen to. Uh, basically, just going to go through a quick rundown of the podcasts I listen to, so you know what's in my head, and... Uh, where I draw inspiration from, for my podcasts. Uh, the first one goes without saying is my own. I do listen to Head Speaks and Task Force X, a great podcast done by yours truly. Again, Head Speaks is this one here where I talk about comics, movies, things that piss me off, a little bit of everything. Again, I'm a more adult-oriented podcast sometimes because I do use language and what have you. Uh, the other one is Task Force X. That's where I cover the Suicide Squad, written by John Ostender, and Checkmates, both from the late 80s, early 90s. A great series of books. Uh, if you enjoy good DC comics, check out Task Force X. Available somewhat monthly on the Headcast Network. Uh, after that, well, the order I've got these listed in is how I have them on my iPhone. Mostly in order, I've got the comic book ones set up, and then I've got others, and then I've got the, what I call the Smodcast, or the Kevin Smith ones, and they're, they're basically, for the most part, ranked in how I like them. They'll change here and there. But yeah, they're mostly in the order of how I like them. Uh, so the first one on my list is Quantum Leap Podcast by Albie and his wife Heather. And then their crew, uh, the Quantum Leap podcast, as you might imagine, talks about the old TV show from the 90s, Quantum Leap. Each episode, they cover a different episode of the TV show. Uh, every so once in a while, in fact, they just released a commentary for an episode. They'll release special commentary episodes where they just talk about that, you know, they'll play the episode and talk about it as it plays. Uh, but usually it's a review of the episode and their thoughts and feelings, and then some viewers are write in about it. It's a great uh, podcast. If you enjoyed Quantum Leap, definitely check out the Quantum Leap podcast. Uh, the next one we'll talk about briefly is uh, the Fire and Water podcast by Shag. Uh, I'm sorry, the Irredeemable Shag and Rob Kelly. I've talked about this one probably almost every podcast I do. They're one of the ones that inspired me to start my own. Uh, Shag, especially with his, you know, his old mantra of find your joy. Uh, again, the Fire and Water podcast talks about Firestorm and Aquaman. Uh, most of their comic book appearances, they briefly touch 
on anything that shows up in the news, such as Aquaman's upcoming animated movie, Firestorm appearing on The Flash, things like that. The show started with them covering the uh, first issues of the new 52 Aquaman and Firestorm. Uh, they covered the entire run of Firestorm, unfortunately. It was canceled. Uh, luckily enough, they canceled issue 20, which coincided with Aquaman's 20. So when they did Aquaman 31, uh, Shag decided to review the original. Uh, well, not really the original. The original was a five-issue miniseries. But he reviewed the ongoing series starting at number one. So they're still synced up, uh, starting with uh, number 21 of Aquaman and the number one of the Flash, or Flash, sorry, a Firestorm. And they're currently running through each book, uh, one book at a month. Yeah, one, one issue a month, that's what I'm trying to say. Uh, yeah, it's a fun listen. I enjoy Plus, I'm not that big of an Aquaman fan. I enjoy Rob Kelly's and Shag's uh, take on it. And then they also have, like, the Who's Who podcast. Every once in a while, Shag does a uh, role-playing podcast as part of the uh, Fire and Water uh, podcast network. Uh, but, yeah, I definitely recommend checking out the Fire and Water podcast and the Who's Who podcast. Uh, good times. Uh, the next one is... Another one of the original ones I started listening to was From Crisis to Crisis, a Superman podcast. In this, Mike Bailey and Jeffrey Taylor cover the entire Superman series, starting with The Man of Steel, John Burns' reboot back in 86, and they're covering each and every appearance of Superman all the way up through The Infinite Crisis. Uh, they've gotten a little delayed. It was a five-year mission, and I believe that was like six or seven years ago, and they're about halfway through it. So it's an ongoing podcast. It's very enjoyable. Definitely recommend checking out. If you're a Superman fan, uh, definitely check out From Crisis to Crisis, a Superman podcast. Next up is one of the more recent ones I've gotten into. Thank you, Shag. Uh, the Hammer Strikes podcast. Uh, Shag was guessing on there for an episode on role-playing games. And again, as I've said before, I'm a big role-playing fan. Used to love playing role-playing games. So I listened to it, and I enjoyed his and Gene's talk. So I decided, you know what? It's only seven episodes in. I went back and listened to Gene's entire catalog of uh, the Hammer Strikes podcast. It's a good podcast. Uh, Gene's a big Star Trek fan. He talks about comics, movies, uh, mythology, a little bit of everything. Uh, a great geek. Uh, go ahead and check out the Hammer Strikes podcast. Definitely, uh, I recommend. Uh, the next one is the Flash podcast. In this one here, uh, Andy B and his co-hosts reviews the weekly series The Flash. Uh, before The Flash started, he had a zero year where he covered. Uh, previous information about the Flash, his rogues, people that may be showing up, uh, and he can get a little flamboyant at times. But Andy B is a newcomer to the Flash universe. Uh, he just started reading some of the comics when they announced the Flash TV show. So a lot of the stuff he's getting into when he talks about the back issues, he's finding out for himself, and it's a joy listening to someone discover these great older Flash stories. And hearing a newbie's, if you will, perspective of the Flash TV show. Uh, but definitely, yeah, check out the Flash podcast. I'm enjoying that. 
their weekly capture of the Flash TV series. Uh, currently, it's on hiatus until the show comes back on. They may have another special before then, but uh, definitely go back and listen to the Flash podcast. Uh, you won't regret it. The next one is the Ultraverse Networks. This is Shag and a bunch of other guys covering Ultraverse comics from the uh, early to mid-90s. I didn't really get into the Ultraverse comics until they merged with uh, Marvel. I read a couple here and there. It was all right. I read a lot of them after they merged with Marvel. Uh, but I'm, so I'm listening to these podcasts. It's, they're covering Prime, Hard Case, uh, Nightman, and a few others. Uh, it's pretty good. Like I said, I didn't catch all these stories originally. I'm catching up now with Shag and the Friends. And uh, I'm enjoying it. Makes me wish I would have read them back in the day. But that's the Ultraverse Networks. Uh, check it out. Again, I have an advertisement that will show up on my... Uh, yeah, I have an advertisement for them that will show up here every once in a while. So check out the Ultraverse Networks. Uh, then there's the DC Comics Presents show. And this, a gentleman named Rusty, covers the old DC Comics Presents comics. Uh, DC, Com- DC Comics Presents was a uh, comic that featured Superman teaming up with another hero, possibly a villain, or as Rusty says, sometimes even himself. He covers an issue and episode. Like I said, I'm enjoying that. Um, not the greatest podcast, but he's doing a pretty good job, at, in my opinion. Uh, the next one I'm going to talk about is The Legends of Gotham. This is Bill and Anne-Marie. They're talking about the Gotham TV series on Fox. Uh, each week, they cover the current episode. And again, they're currently on hiatus, waiting for the show to start back up. I guess they also do it on a, uh, a Google Talk or some other thing. They do it a live video chat as they're doing their podcast. I've enjoyed that. I just listen to the podcast at work on my uh, iPhone. So, but no, they cover. Like I said, they cover. Bill is a geek. He's into the comics. Amory, not so much, but she likes the uh, the cop shows, the procedural shows. So they're coming from two different points of views. Uh, they're both enjoying Gotham. Uh, I like their little witty repartee they have with each other. Uh, it's definitely a, a good, enjoyable listen. If you have a few minutes, you know, download Legends of Gotham and check it out. That's another great show I really recommend. The uh, next one I'm moving on to is called Now Playing. Now Playing has about half a dozen reviewers. Uh, usually three at a time will do a show, and they review anything under the sun just about, any movie that's out. Uh, they do res- retrospectives. They've done a Marvel. They've done a DC where they talk about all the DC movies. They talk about all the Marvel movies. Uh, currently, they're in the midst of doing their Stephen King retrospective. They take break every once in a while to do other movies. Well, I say, yeah, cause Stephen's gonna take a, Stephen King is going to take them years to do. Uh, man, they've got so many books and movies out there. So currently, they're in the middle of a uh, Ocean's Eleven retrospective. They've looked at the original 1960s Ocean Eleven. Last episode, they covered the Ocean's Eleven from 2001. And they'll cover Oceans 12 and Oceans 13, and then move on to their next segment, or their next uh, set of movies, whether it's back to some more Stephen King or something else. Uh, we'll have to wait and see. But that, again, that's now playing. I definitely recommend that. If you're into movies, you like listening to people talk about movies, check out Now Playing. 
the next one I briefly mentioned is called Project 207. It's a friend of mine, Jonathan Sturgeon. He's writing a book, and uh, each episode of his podcast, he's going to read a chapter of it. He's only had two parts so far. Again, I don't want to really go into much detail on this, but I definitely uh, check it out. It's an interesting podcast. And like I say, he's just gotten the first two chapters uh, done. I'm waiting to hear more. Go ahead and check out Project 207 by Jonathan Sturgeons. Uh, the next one is What Say You? It's by Brian Quinn and Sal Volcano, best known from Impractical Jokers. Uh, they started their own podcast talking about whatever floats their boat. Uh, can't really describe it. Uh, they're going to be doing a Fast and Furious retrospective. Um, usually every episode, Sal tries calling some random number just to see if someone picks up and who they can talk to. And basically, they'll talk about anything from how their day is going, things that happens on the set of Practical Jokers. Uh, they've got uh, Honey Bear is their mascot, if you will, called Nuggets. Uh, he shows up once in a while. Uh, I can't really describe it and do it justice. But if you enjoy the show Impractical, Impractical Jokers, definitely check out What Say You. And this moves us fully into what I call the Kevin Smith section. The rest of these either have Kevin Smith in it, or they're inspired or come off of his work. The first one is Hollywood Babylon. That's Kevin Smith and Ralph Garman covering the entertainment world. Uh, movies that'll suck. They talk about actors and actresses that are in the news, either doing something good or being an ass. Mostly people being an ass. People like uh, Kardashian, Bieber, uh, Hannah Montana. And basically lets us know what they're doing and makes fun of them. But it's definitely, they do it live, uh, usually at the Improv or somewhere else in L.A. or that area. But I definitely recommend checking out uh, Hollywood Babylon. That's one of the best free funnies you can get for your money. And it's free, so in our mind. Anyways, definitely check out Hollywood Babylon. Uh, the next one is Tell Em Steve Dave. Uh, this is Brian Quinn. Brian Johnson, and Walt Flanagan, uh, the last two you may know from AMC's Comic Book Men. Uh, they're friends of Kevin Smith. Apparently, Brian Johnson's had some hard times, uh, had his foot on the stool a couple of times, ready to step off, you know, and end it all. Uh, uh, Kevin was talking with Walt and suggested, well, if they start doing a podcast, and, you know, give... Brian Johnson something, you know, to do. So Walt and Brian started doing their podcast, and Q from Practical Jokers joined them because he was a good friend of theirs. And it becomes the hit, Tell Him Steve Dave, uh, which also led into, as I said, AMC's Comic Book Men. Uh, that show, from what I understand, came from Tell Him Steve Dave. Uh, definitely a good podcast. Uh, again, not one necessarily for kids, I definitely recommend Tell Him Steve Dave. Uh, the next one is Jay and Bob Get Old. I've got that listed number, not counting mine, it's number 14 on my list, but it holds a place up higher in my heart. As I talked about in my first episode, uh, I went with Sue Sturgeon, a friend of mine, to see an episode, do an episode of Jay and Bob Get Old, where they were also doing a premiere of Jay's movie, uh, 
Jay and Silent Bob's groovy cartoon movie. During the podcast, Kevin's always telling people, you know, go out and do a podcast. They're free. No one's regulating it right now. Go out and just talk to somebody. Do something. Pet a mic in front of your face and talk. And that's, that's in fact, he gave us a homework assignment, as I've said before, in the next uh, year to do a podcast. And that's where Head Speaks came from. I, I did my podcast right before the year expired. Uh, leave it to me to leave it to the last minute. But I did it, got the uh, podcast out. And here we are in episode six of Head Speaks. If you don't like it, blame Kevin Smith. If you like it, eh, I'll give Kevin the credit also. What the hell? Uh, the next one, Fat Man on Batman. Uh, this one here is Kevin Smith, uh, sometimes by himself, sometimes with a co-host, talking about all that is Batman. Uh, Kevin Smith, as you may know, is a big fan of Batman. He's a big comic geek. Uh, so he uses this podcast to talk about all things Batman. Uh, whether it's the movies, the comics, the TV shows, the toys. Uh, sometimes he gets writers, artists, uh, creators behind the TV shows, whatever. Uh, if you enjoy listening to Batman, check out Fat Man on Batman. And finally, the last one on my list is Smodcast. Uh, this is normally Kevin Smith with his buddy Scott Mosier, who directed, or not directed, but uh, helped Kevin do a lot of his earlier films. And they talk about, again, whatever crosses their boat. Uh, they're big fans of Canada. I guess Scott was from Canada. So there's a lot of Canada stuff in there. Um, in fact, this is where the movie Tusk came out of, an episode of Smodcast. They read an article in a paper about a guy looking for a roommate, and the person had to be willing to uh, dress up once a month or once a week or something as a walrus. And this slowly spun out into the movie Tusk, which I haven't had a chance to see yet, but soon. But that's the last one on my list, Smodcast. Definitely check it out. Again, all uh, 18 of those, I, I recommend. Uh, they all have the Brotherhead seal of approval. Again, if you don't like them, I have a money-back guarantee. Uh, since they're all free, well, I guess I'll throw you anything, but you know, no, definitely check them out fun times. But anyways, that's it today for A Little Head. Now, before we start the next segment, let's go and hear from another couple of friends of the show. Sit back and enjoy. The Ultraverse Network begins now. Over 20 years ago, Malibu Comics debuted The Ultraverse. It may not have lasted long, but the creativity and quality of its titles and creators caught many readers' imaginations when it first appeared and in the years since. This network of fans celebrates the fun and excitement of the Ultraverse and its awesome writers, artists, and characters. Featuring three ongoing podcasts covering a variety of topics, including Nightman and Solitaire, our blog will feature regular coverage of The Strangers, Sludge, Firearm, Ultraforce, and all your other favorites. Look for Ultraverse Network on iTunes and visit our website at ultraversepodcast.com. We are giving Ultraverse fandom a jumpstart. Hello, I'm Albie. And I'm Heather. And we do the Quantum Leap Podcast. 
It can be found at quantumleappodcast.com and also on iTunes. We are starting at the beginning of Quantum Leap and going through all the episodes. This is my first time watching and I'll be seeing them during their original run. In each podcast, we talk about the overall thoughts of each episode. We do an episode recap if you haven't seen them in a while, just to refresh your memory. And then we do a detailed plot discussion. And we also have some great interviews. Scott Bakula, I remember being very, very uh, generous of spirit and very, very kind to his fellow actors. It was my first kiss ever, ever. So I, I am getting to kiss Scott Bakula on screen. And everybody in, involved with it was just terrific. And I'm always amazed that people come up to me and remember that episode and can quote things from it that I can't even quote. So if you're a leaper... It'd be great if you came and join us. And if you've never heard of Quantum Leap, it's maybe a good time to start watching it because you have a podcast to go along with it. So please give our podcast a listen and hopefully you like us and stick around. Go to quantumleappodcast.com to listen to new episodes. Bitch and moan, bitch and moan, bitch and gripe, gripe and moan, bitch and gripe, bitch and moan. Bitch and moan, bitch and gripe. Brother heads, bitches, moans, and gripes. On today's episode, I'm going to continue continue with uh, my geeking with head from last episode. Uh, problems with comics and the, the comic medium as I see it today. Again, you guys may disagree with me. If so, that's your prerogative. But as uh, Q and Sal say, go fuck yourself. No, seriously, if you disagree with me, let me know. Write in, let me know why I'm wrong. But here, here we go. Uh, so, one thing that I mentioned last time, in my humble opinion, one of the big problems is that the comic companies is trying to make their multimedia, the TV and movies, match up with their comics, whether it's deserving or not. I mean, and this isn't a new problem. I know back when the X-Men movies came out, Next thing you know, Grant Morrison in the comics had them all wearing black costumes, or black suits. Got rid of the spandex. God forbid they wear spandex, but that's coming up in a minute. Uh, and for instance, like with Marvel right now in the uh, uh, movies, I mean, you've got Captain America. He doesn't have, actually have the wings on his head. They're part of the costume. It's a more realistic-looking costume. Um... Nick Fury in the movie, who's based on the ultimate comics, Nick Fury is a black guy. You know, I'm going with this, if you listen to the last episode. Um, Hawkeye in the movie doesn't have a costume, per se. He's got a costume, but it's not his Hawkeye costume. It's a modified, real look, realistic costume, if you will. After these movies came out, were a hit, suddenly in the movies, or the, I'm sorry, the comic books... As I said last episode, they had an entire six or eight issue miniseries called, uh, I think it was Battle Scars, to bring in a black Nick Fury that's the original Nick Fury's illegitimate son that had an accident, blinded him one eye, so he has to wear a patch, he started shaving his head. They brought in Agent Coulson just to make it match the movies. Even though they had a perfectly fine Nick Fury in the Ultimate Universe that they could have brought over and, and done a switch on, I know one guy made a comment on a uh, message board that that Nick Fury can't be trusted. I don't know. If you brought him over to our universe, our heroes wouldn't have that much of a reason to distrust him. Just saying. 
I and again, maybe it's just me being nitpicky, but I would have found that explanation a lot better than, well, the White Nick Fury has a son that totally looks black. Uh, he also had an accent to make him blind to one eye like his dad. And he decided to shave his head. Yeah, that's the ticket. I don't know. I just I found it kind of stupid myself. In fact, I, I refused almost to try that again. I refused to read almost any comic that has that I know is going to have that the Black Nick Fury in it. Just because I I hate the fact how they have to, you know, they've got a perfectly good Nick Fury in the Marvel Universe. Uh, I would say they have a perfectly good Nick Fury in the Ultimate Universe, but I'm not sure what's happened to him recently. I haven't seen him recently. But, I don't know, I just, I just find it asinine that they've got to be politically correct. Let's change Nick Fury to a black guy in a convoluted way. I don't know, I'm just... That's my own personal beef on that. But also around the same time, Captain America's costume changed to look more like the movie. Which again is based on the ultimate Captain America. From the ultimate universe. Um, in case you're not sure, you didn't catch last episode. I think I explained it last episode. Um, the ultimate universe back 15-20 years ago. They decided to basically restart the Marvel Universe with new stories. For the younger kids. So Brian Michael Bendis wrote an ultimate, or a fantastic ultimate Spider-Man story. Uh, my youngest, or yeah, my youngest son, well, okay, my middle son now. Because as you guys may have heard, I, my wife's pregnant. I'm going to have a younger son at the end of the month. Uh, uh, my son Steven, he, he was a big fan of that ultimate Spider-Man. He bought almost, I bought him almost every issue. Uh... And from there, expanded out, bringing in more Marvel, or Marvel heroes in the Ultimate Universe. I say that to say that the movie Captain America that you guys see is based more on the Ultimate Captain America. And Marvel and their infinite wisdom decided to make the current, the, what they call the 616, the regular Marvel Universe uh, Captain America, look much like that Captain America. Got rid of the ears, now they're more painted on the costume. The headpiece looks like it's usually a separate piece from the neck, uh, from the rest of the costume. Uh, again, a lot of these movies are based on the Ultimate Comics, because the Ultimate Comics is more, I'm doing air quotes here, real world. And now they're trying to, and their Ultimate line was a bit, was different than their regular universe, but now they're making the real... Yes, I'm referring to a comic book company as, or a comic book universe as real. Uh, you know, sue me. But the regular Marvel Universe, they're trying to match it up and make it look like the Ultimate Universe costumes just because that's the way the movies look. I, I think you can have a separate movie universe with its own look and leave the comic books, unless there's a good reason to make the change. You, you can have the comic books have their own look. And I think people, as long as they're not radically different, people will accept it, in my opinion. Uh, another one is Hawkeye. They changed his costume. And I'll get into that in just a minute here. Uh, but before I do that, uh, just finish with, you know, matching up the multimedia. I mean, if it's something different, like recently DC has done their... 
I say recently, uh, 2011, 2012, they did their big reality altering uh, flashpoint, which they was able to redo costumes and they had an event that encompassed the entire DC universe. Again, I'm not going to go into that event. I've already talked about how they screwed that up, but they had an event that allowed them to realistically, it's the wrong word, it's not the word I'm looking for, but in universe continuity-wise, to change some costumes and make things a little different. That I don't have a problem with. Even if the whole event was created, which I don't think it was, but even though if the whole event was created to cha just change costumes and make them look like more like the movies, and that's why I don't think it was, because, well, honestly, up until now, what movies has DZ pit out besides Batman and Superman movies, honestly? There was Green Lantern, and I thought it was decent, but I'm not going to get that whole beef right now. Um, but as I was saying, uh, I, I think the comics should leave the comics as comics, and they're you know a little more visual, a little more... I don't know if you want to call it a kiddified look, but the traditional costume look. And do the movies with the more movie aspect costumes, because I realize that not all costumes can be translated into live action very well. A lot of costumes doing live action will look kind of silly if you don't modify it. And I'm fine with modifying the costumes some to make it look more appeasing, more appealing to the, the broader audience. But then when you go and take those same costumes and modify the comic books just to match it, just to have a uniformity, if you will, even though things are still different, I just find that asinine. And speaking of costumes and changing them, I, I also dislike writers that are writing comic books that think costumes are bad. Uh, they've recently, like I said, they changed Hawkeye's costume away from the, the purple with the, the big eyes, and it's hard for me to describe it without looking at it, but I think he had a great costume, and now they modified him to look more like the movie version. Uh, they're in the process of changing uh, Spider-Woman, who's got a Spider-Teeth motif costume. They're getting rid of the costume, and they're giving her, you know, like leggings and a, a, a vest or a jacket or something. Because God forbid we have a superhero costume that actually looks like a fucking superhero costume. God forbid. Uh, I know costumes are bad. They're for kids. We want this to be for adults. And apparently they do want adults because the price point of comics, which I mentioned last time, is ridiculously high, in my opinion. But that's an, that was a, a previous podcast. I'm not going to get into that right now. Uh, except for the briefest mentions, like just now. But anyways, my biggest complaint to them is stop trying to appease everybody, which is my third point on this. That's one of my problems, and I think that may be why comics aren't doing as well as they could, is they're trying to appease everybody, and they're driving off their hardcore fans. I mean, they're like, well, the old comic buyer only lasts a couple of years, so we've got to change things up and retell stories every couple of years. Uh, we want the kids, uh, but we want adults too. And so they're trying to make all these changes to appeal to everybody, 
But not everybody's fucking buying comics. And when they do so, they upset the older fan base, the ones that want to stay around and read these comics. Uh, when the comic companies no longer care about continuity, no longer care about what happened a couple of years ago, it makes it hard for fans to stay around. And honestly, I, I could be wrong. If someone's got actual proof to prove me wrong, go for it. But I think the ones that go to comic book shops, the ones that buy these comics, are your older fans that want to stick around, that want the longer story, that like continuity. Again, continuity is a different topic I'll cover later. Uh, continuity can be good or bad, but again, that's neither here nor there. I'm not talking about continuity right now. Briefly, but I'm not talking about the bads and goods of continuity. I'm just talking about what happened this episode, you know, or this issue. Maybe not tying directly into every single issue that happened, but like I mentioned last time with DC's reboot, they rebooted everything except for Green Lantern, Batman stayed the same. In the current continuity, Batman's been around five or six years, and he's had like four or five Robins. Just because they didn't want to boot all that old continuity away, but they wanted to restart the rest of the universe fresh. I think they need to realize who their core audience is. They need to appeal to that core audience. They need to write good stories. They need to realize these are, these are fucking comics. Costumes are not bad in comics. Yes, for the movies, you're going to have to modify them, change things around, make them more appealing, because the movies aren't going to survive with the comic book audiences. But, having said that, if you go so far off of your movie, I'm sorry, you take your movie so far away from the comic book, that you're going to push the comic book fans away, who do you think is going to give you the good word of mouth? Yeah, some movies will do good just because, you know, of who the character is. But if you want a, a bigger audience, in my opinion, if you can also appeal to the comic book fan and make it something the comic book fans recognize... They're going to see it. They're going to give good word of mouth. They're going to tell their family and friends and everyone they know, and especially in this day of the fucking internet, it's going to get out there. And your comic book fans are the ones that's going to go out there and see it, usually opening weekend. They're the ones that's going to make you sink or swim. They're the ones that's going to tell everybody this movie is crap, this movie is horrible, or this movie was fantastic, it was great, everyone should go see it. And again, if I'm wrong, please let me know. Send me an email. Uh, go to my blog, you go to headspeaks.com, and click on Headcast, and go to the Headspeaks Headcast. Or you go to my Facebook page, which is at Headspeaks. I'm also on Google+. Let me know what you guys think. Send me an email to head at headspeaks.com. I'll get that. But let me know what you think. Am I crazy? Are, are the comic book, comic book companies messing up like I'm saying? Or am I just an old man that's shouting, get off my lawn, and yelling at clouds? Let me know what you think. Anyways, that, that's this episode of Geekin' of Head. Uh, hold on for one last set of, uh, I think it's going to be one last set of advertising. Hi, I'm Gene Hendricks. You may remember me from such shows as The Hammer Podcast and The Quantum Cast. I'd like to tell you about some special shows that I'm doing with some of your favorite podcasters. These shows are all about the live-action versions of comic book characters, and I'm calling them... Legends of the Superheroes! In each episode, we'll be looking at a different TV show or movie featuring characters like... Wonder Woman! Dr. David Banner. 
And let's not forget about the non-superheroes, such as... Swamp Thing! Captain William Buck Rogers! And many more. Look for the Legends of the Superheroes specials under the Hammer Podcasts at twotruefreaks.com. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Mike. Man, it sure is great to be back to, from crisis to crisis after all this time. It's been a busy year for both of us. For very different reasons. But now we're ready to cover the post-death and return Superman stories. Yeah, and we're about to start the books that came out in 1994, which means that we have so much to look forward to, like Bizarro's World. The Battle for and Fall of Metropolis. Superman Doomsday, Hunter, Prey. Worlds Collide. Well, you're looking forward to that one. Oh, bite me. Zero hour. Zero month. And right there at the end, we have Dead Again. And don't forget, the Elseworlds annuals as well. Well, most of them, anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. some of those really did suck, don't they? But From Crisis to Crisis is back. New episodes will drop on Thursday, just like before. You can find the show at the Superman homepage, www.supermanhomepage.com, as well as at the Superman Podcast Network, which is at www.supermanpodcastnetwork.com. And we also have a Facebook page that you can like by going to www.facebook.com slash from crisis to crisis a superman podcast.com. Is it dot com on there? No. No, no, it's not. No, no dot com. Forget that. <laughs> so from crisis to crisis is back, folks, and better than ever. Well, I'm better than ever. You need some work. No, shut up. No, you 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 shut up. From crisis to crisis, a Superman podcast covering the post-crisis adventures of Superman one half month at a time. Every Thursday at www.supermanhomepage.com and www.fortressofbailytude.com. What's in Ed's Long Box? Dedicated to truth, justice, and peace for all mankind. The world's greatest super friends. Okay, in this episode of What's in Ed's Long Box, uh, I'm going to start doing something a little different. Not necessarily different, but I'm going to mix it up a little bit. Instead of just reviewing comic books, uh, occasionally, like today, I'm going to start doing some character profiles and history of comic book characters also. Uh, mainly ones I like. I'm not using a lot of internet research for this. Most of this I'm just coming up with from what I know. Um, first of all, I want to give thanks to the Facebook group called Unite DC Comics uh, for this idea. Uh, there was a post on there. Someone asked about uh, Superman, 
uh, the death of Superman and the characters like Superboy and Supergirl, where they were at at that time. And as I got into a long, detailed post talking about Superboy, it got me thinking that, you know what, this would be interesting to do, you know, comic book characters I like, and, and give a detailed or somewhat detailed history of them on my uh, podcast. So, again, if you're on Facebook and you like comics, especially DC Comics, check out Unite DC Comics on Facebook. And from their bar- their banner, their marquee, it talks about what Unite DC Comics is. Is uh, I'm going to read directly from them. Uh, Unite fans of the DCU project is my attempt to do just that. The current era of DC Comics is a sensitive topic for old and new fans alike. Both will respond with passionate opposing views, uh, points of view regarding any DC conversation these days. New, D, new 52 objectors are more than welcome, but we do not endorse or support any boycotts here. Here we will try to be constructive with our likes and dislikes. I'd like this page to bring jaded DC fans together with new 52 supporters so they can celebrate the best of all eras of DC Comics. Let's come together as comic fans and offer ideas, solutions, and resolutions to what fa- fans think are problems. Let's review new comics and revisit old ones as well. Let's see new and innovative artwork from fans and their portfolios with cosplay, video game, and action figure fandom post together. Let's unite fans of the DC Universe. Uh, That was written by M. Anthony uh, Gerardo, uh, the fine gentleman that started this group. So again, if you're on Facebook, go look for Unite DC Comics Project. I myself am a member of that group, and I enjoy it. Some good conversations pop up. Uh, but enough pimping his uh, Facebook page. Let's carry on with this episode of What's in Head's Long Box. Uh, this episode, I'm going to talk about one of my two favorite heroes. Uh, one of the, the most powerful beings in the DC Universe. Possibly any universe whatsoever. Yes, I'm talking about Firestorm. Firestorm was created in 1978 by the wonderful, fantastic writer known as Jerry Conway, uh, who used to write on Spider-Man, and artist Al Milgram. Originally, the first Firestorm series lasted five issues and died in the DC implosion back in the late 70s. DC had too many books, they weren't making any money, uh, they had to cancel a lot of titles, and it was later referenced as the DC implosion. Because when a lot of these books came out the previous year, it was entitled The DC Explosion. They're bringing out all these new, great, fantastic titles. And, ah, oh, shit. Sales aren't working. We're losing money. All right. Cancel a lot of titles. And you had the DC Implosion. Uh, after that, Firestorm had a backup in The Flash. And then he showed up in the uh, Justice League of America, which I believe at the time was being written by Jerry Conway, of course. And then a few years later, they brought him back for his own brand new series that lasted a hundred issues. That's right, a hundred issues of Firestorm. Uh, it started off being written by, uh, as I said, Jerry Conway. At the end, it was written by the wonderful John Ostender. Uh, if you listen to my Task Force X headcast, I go on and on about how great Ostender is there. And then issue 100, the series was canceled once again. Uh, and then 
Ronnie would show up here and there. He was a member of Just League Extreme, a few other. He would show up in a few books, Power Company, and eventually in a storyline called Identity Crisis. Firestorm was killed by a uh, a thief, a villain called Shadow Thief, who used uh, a magic sword to stab him in the heart and cause him to explode. His energy, his uh, his power, went into this young kid named Jason Rush, who became the new host of the Firestorm Matrix, as it was called. Uh, he would bond with other people, and he learned eventually that bonding with these other people would eventually kill him. Eventually, he ended up bonding back with Professor Martin Stein. Uh, he then had a, a series that ran 35 issues that entailed his adventures. He showed up in the Just League of America, a few other titles here and there. Uh, I wasn't such a big fan of Rush and that series. I'm more of a classic Ronnie and Stein man myself. But it, was, it wasn't bad, don't get me wrong. It just wasn't my Firestorm. And then with the new 52, they reinvented Firestorm, and they had a 21-issue series. It was 20 issues, and there was also a special zero issue in the middle. Uh, the last 13, they got back to basics and had John... I call it back to basics. The first uh, 12 issues, both Ronnie and Jason could turn into different versions of Firestorm, have different abilities... With the Zero Wish, I believe it was, or maybe the 13th issue, Dan Jurgens made it so they uh, merged together and they would become the normal Firestorm. Ronnie being the body and Jason Rush being the brains behind the outfit, if you will. And that lasted, uh, like I said, 21 issues altogether. It lasted the tw 20 issues plus the Zero Wish in the middle. I've thrown a few ideas, a few names out at you. Let me give you a little more detailed information on Firestorm. Now that I give a brief outline of their, who he is. He started off in the first issue of Firestorm back in 78. A young high school kid named Ronnie Raymond was new to a high school. He was good at football. He was a sports guy. Uh, he showed up in this new school. Uh, there was this girl he liked called Dorian Day, who uh, I won't get into her right now, but uh, he liked her. Trying to impress her, uh, he joined up with this, this group of... Uh, Activists, uh, protesters, those protesting a new military, a new military, a new nuclear plant that was being built. Uh, meanwhile, in school, he also had a foil named uh, Cliff Carmichael, who was real smart. He was the bee's knees. And basically, uh, Jerry Conway, again, as I said previously, he'd written a lot of Spider-Man stories. He came over to D.C., wanted to do something different at D.C., and he wanted to take that Spider-Man idea, which was a nerdy kid who had a, uh, his enemy was the, the school jock. He wanted to turn that on its head. So he made the, the nerdy guy, the hero, sorry, he made the nerdy guy, the smart kid, the antagonist, if you will, and the jock he made into our hero, Ronnie Raymond. So back to Ronnie and the protesters. Uh, he hooked up this guy, I forget his name right offhand. But he had a—I remember him. He had big, bushy mustache, very '70s-looking guy. Um, they, they broke into the nuclear power plant to try to disturb it. Little did Ronnie know that this uh, moron, this criminal, if you will, was going to leave a bomb and cause the plant to explode. Uh, 
Ronnie discovered this. And against his better judgment, decided, you know what? He's not going to be part of murder. So he tried to stop him, but they knocked him out. And you know, the, guy, the main guy is like, you know what? We need a patsy anyways. Here you go. And they left the bomb to explode with Ronnie next to it. They boot boogie out of town. Uh, announced to them, a scientist working there named Professor Martin Stein was working late on his project. And he heard the disturbance, came to find out what was going on, found Ronnie there. Uh, unfortunately for him, the, the bad guys were still there. They knocked him out and left him next to the bomb also. I got ahead of myself earlier. Uh, now, at this point here, they boogied. They knocked out Stein. Ronnie's knocked out. They left, let the bomb do the work. Ronnie was able to wake up and... Instead of getting out on his own, he saw Martin Stein laying there, this unknown old guy. So he decides to drag the guy out with him. I'm going to try to save this guy. As he's trying to drag him out, the bomb goes off, exploding and destroying the uh, power plant, the nuclear power plant. Also unknown to anyone at this time, Professor Stein's assistant, or it may have been his ex-assistant, Dayton Black, was trying to sneak in because he was suing Professor Stein, saying that Stein stole his work. So he was going to break in and steal a lot of Stein's notes and whatnot, so he could use that as evidence that Stein had stole his work. Yeah. Uh, him, too, was also caught in the blast. Him, too? He, too, was also caught in the blast. Next we you know, Ronnie wake up, wakes up naked, his head on fire, with superpowers. First thing he does is create himself a suit out of thin air, which gives us our, our firestorm look. Also, he discovers that the professor, the scientist that was with next that he was dragging out, his name is Professor Martin Stein, and he is inside Ronnie's head at this point. Ronnie's got a different look. His head's on fire. His eyes are all white. He's got the red and orange and yellow uh, suit that we're all familiar with. I'm saying we're all familiar with it. Uh, if not, you need to go look him up. He's a fantastic character. Anyways, they go on and they have a, a series of adventures. Like I said, he gets canceled in five issues. He, Superman has him join the Justice League. He shows up in Flash backup storylines, uh, which makes his current appearance in Flash kind of funny, which I'll get to when I get to that. Eventually, though, in the early 80s, DC realized that, you know what, Firestorm's a pretty good character. So in 1982, they revive Firestorm in a book called The Fury of Firestorm. Uh, later, it was to be called Firestorm the Nuclear Man. And it lasts, as I said earlier, it lasted from 1982 until 1990. Uh, but Spider-Man, Firestorm would go through and through various adventures. He was very Spider-Man-esque. As Jerry Conway, as I said, wrote Spider-Man, so he brought a lot of his Spider-Man sensibilities with him. He would become to grow, become a better hero. Uh, the man I referred to earlier, Dayton Black, or Dayton Black, uh, we would he would show up later on. Actually, I think he showed up in the second issue of Firestorm's miniseries as a supervillain called Multiplex. Whereas with Firestorm, the two men were fused into one body. Dayton has the opposite, where he can split himself off and make multiple copies of himself, 
Multiplex. So he became an on-again, off-again Firestorm villain. Uh, after the accident, Firestorm, you know, he lived in New York City, he defended against his villains, Black Bison, Killer Frost, uh, Typhoon, uh, the Hyena. Uh, a bunch of other villains, I'm thinking right offhand. Uh, he also had a, another Darren issue, the late teens, I want to say, which actually is what uh, Shag covers on his Firestorm podcast, so I'll get to in a minute. Um, another heroine is created called Firehawk. Uh, this, uh, and again, Shag's covering these, so I'm just trying to, trying to remember how he, what he said so far about him. But, uh, this billionaire industrious is trying to get powers because he's like real weak in the suits and he's real weak. So he's trying to get powers and he experiments on this girl called Lorraine, Lorraine Riley using Firestorm's abilities and it gives her similar abilities and she calls herself Firehawk and becomes uh, an assistant, if you will, to Ronnie, helps him out and on again, off again, love interest to Ronnie or Firestorm. And Conway went on to write Spider-Man. I keep saying Spider-Man because he did write Spider-Man at one time. Uh, he wrote Firestorm until mid-80s, 85, 86. He suddenly quit the series for some reason. I'm not sure why. And John Ostinger uh, took over the reins. He started writing it. Again, John Ostinger, John Ostinger was writing the wonderful, fantastic Suicide Squad more information on that, see my headcast entitled Task Force X, also on the Headcast Network. Um, he tried to make Firestorm more real-worldish, if you will. And he had his first story arc, Firest uh, Professor Stein found out he had leukemia, and he wanted to do something good for the world, so he talked Ronnie as Firestorm into telling the world that if they don't get rid of all the nuclear bombs, he's going to get rid of it. Yeah, much like the Superman 4 uh, storyline. That's another story entirely. Uh, the Just League showed up, his enemies, the Suicide Squad, all fought against them. And speaking of the Suicide Squad, uh, listen for upcoming episodes of Task Force X, where I review those episodes where Firestorm met the Suicide Squad. And finally, he faced off against a, a Russian superhero called Pozar. I want to say is how it's pronounced. Uh, somewhere, in, I believe it was in Nevada. Uh, while fighting the government, I believe it was our government, dropped a nuclear bomb on him trying to wipe him out. You don't drop a nuclear bomb on a nuclear hero and expect that to kill him. All it did was fuse Firestorm and Pozar into a new Firestorm with Michael, Michael Adrian was Pozar, and Ronnie Raymond, both in the subconscious of a new blank firestorm. The guy in control didn't know who he was, didn't know where he was at. He was basically referred to as the blank slate firestorm, with Michael and uh, fire, uh, Ronnie giving him advice and acting as the subconscious. Later on, they find out in fact, this is when I actually started picking up the Firestorm comics. I went back and picked up all these back issues. Uh, they find out that Professor Stein, who they thought died during this incident, actually survived 
and was the amnesic mind or body of Firestorm. And he was in a convalescent hospital, I believe, or a mental hospital, one of the two, in Nevada. And he was totally blank. Uh, he was like a, in a wheelchair, not able to do much of anything at this point. And when he would become Firestorm, his mind would create the body. And that's why he was a blank slate, because he had no memory of anything. And uh, this went on for a little while until uh, I looked on Wiki to make sure until 1989 when John Ostringer fundamentally changed the character once again that revealed Firestorm was actually a fire elemental. The stories now became a lot more environmentally impactful. This new Firestorm was composed of Ronnie Raymond, Michael Arkadin, and a Soviet clone of the previous Firestorm with a new mind. Uh, Professor, Professor Stein was no longer part of the Firestorm Matrix, if you will, but he still showed up and played a role. But it was a totally different character. The artist at this time would come Tom Mandrake. He created a new look to the character, got rid of the puffy sleeves, and made him... It was a brown suit... The, instead of the big flaming hair Firestorm had, it was more of a flat top, if you will. Check out the Fire Elemental Firestorm. Uh, it's an interesting look. I I liked it. It wasn't as good as... I, I'm going to say it wasn't as good as what was previously, just because it was different. And again, I, I like the Ronnie Mike... Or I like the Ronnie... Professor Stein makeup of Firestorm the way it looked. I don't just visually it was a fantastic look. I still bought these issues. A lot of these issues dealt with Africa. I guess I read later on that Ostinger was doing a lot of reading on Africa, was enjoyed it. So a lot of his stories faced on Africa and Africa gods, uh, the elemental gods of Africa. Um, again. I don't want to say anything about John Ostinger because he was a fantastic writer, and the stories were fantastic. It was just completely different than Firestorm of Old. I don't know. Maybe he, if maybe they should just create a new character altogether for the Fire Elemental. But I don't. Know, I enjoyed the stories. Don't get me wrong. It was just different. It's hard to wrap my mind around some of it sometimes. But it was still good stories. I definitely recommend the entire 100 issue run. But anyways, during this, these last couple of years of Firestorm, he was a Fire Elemental. They, they brought in Red Tornadoes, Air Elemental. They brought in... Uh, they said Swamp Thing was Earth Elemental, as they said previously. And they brought in, for a four-issue Elemental War storyline, they created a new a Water Elemental called Naid. Personally, I wish they would have used Typhoon and revealed Typhoon to be the Water Elemental. I, I thought that would have been a nice touch, a nice callback. But Ostinger created his own Water Elemental. And they had a four-issue mini, a little, not mini-series, a little uh, story within Firestorm where they battled. And eventually, uh, the 100th issue rolled around, and Professor Stein learned... I forget where he learned it from now, but I know Professor Stein learned that he was actually supposed to become Firestorm by himself back in 78. And that Ronnie being there 
caused a, a massive shift and things were different than it was supposed to be. So Professor Stein took on the powers of Firestorm himself, left Ronnie out of the Matrix, so it was just Professor Stein as Firestorm, and went off into space to destroy Brimstone once again, which was a nice callback because uh, Brimstone showed up early on. Uh, I'm sitting back early on. Uh, I'm getting confused here because Brimstone was in the first Suicide Squad story that John Ostender wrote and was in the last Firestorm issue that John Ostender wrote. So I thought it was a nice wrap-up of John Ostender's work. Not that he was done by any means. He was still working on Suicide Squad. But it was a nice little counterpart there. Uh, but anyway, so Firestorm... If I remember right, he, he went to a black hole or something and, and disappeared from our universe, if I recall correctly, leaving Ron Raymond on Earth as an unpowered Firestorm. Michael Adrian, Arcadian, was left out of the Firestorm Matrix. He went back to his own life. Uh, eventually, during Extreme Justice, we find that uh, Ronnie actually had ended up having leukemia now. And the Professor Stein Firestorm came back to Earth, cured him of the leukemia, and also gave him a bit of his Firestorm powers back. Stein once again took off, leaving Fire, uh, Ronnie Raymond as Earth's Firestorm to prance around in Extreme Justice and a few other titles here and there. I believe he also showed up in a Power Company, which is a good series in my opinion. So he would show up on and off again. Uh, Power Company, uh, Justice League, and here and there. Uh, the next major appearance for Ronnie, as I said previously, was during DC's Identity Crisis. In this, he was fighting a villain called Shadow Thief, who used a, uh, a magic sword, I believe, from the guy called the Shining Knights, and stabbed him, causing him to explode, rupturing the containment field, causing the, the Firestorm Matrix to kill, again in quotes, Ronnie, and it imbued a young black kid named Jason Rush with the Firestorm ability, or the power of the Matrix. Jason would form Firestorm by grabbing someone nearby and merging, using them as the second part of the Matrix. If I remember right, doing so eventually, one or two people died being part of the Matrix. Uh, Jason went along, had his own series. Eventually, Ronnie Raymond showed back up for a, a few ep issues, the episodes, a few issues. He returned around, I'm looking up online real quick, uh, looks like issue 9 of the fire, Jason Rush Firestorm, and then he dissipated in issue 13 of Firestorm. Uh, shortly thereafter that, uh, Jason Rush was kidnapped by the new secret sighted supervillains. For the, and it uses a power source in a hidden complex. Escaping from the complex, he found a fellow prisoner named Jenna. And that being imprisoned by them, depowered him. Which again, I guess was shown in Firestorm 17. Uh, I'm looking at Wikiload on this because this is around the time when I started getting out of comics just because money-wise. And again, I wasn't that great of a fan of Jason Rush. Again, I think mainly because... Honestly, it wasn't what was before. I just couldn't. I, I it was decent, I guess, but it wasn't 
what I wanted. Anywho, uh, so went along during the 2006 miniseries Infinite Crisis. We find out that Martin Stein was still alive in space as the elemental firestorm. Not knowing that Ronnie had died, he came back to Earth. And uh, Stein merged with Jason when Jason was injured tried to kill him. Uh, this created a new Firestorm Matrix and a reconstruction of both bodies for both Jason Rush and Martin Stein. Also, uh, they revealed an infinite crisis that the multiverse from back in the crisis, which I've talked about previously, had survived to the present. Jason should have been the Firestorm of Earth-8. Uh, then we... Uh, next thing he shows up is in this series called 52. I, I forget a lot of what happened in that. But he showed up in 52. And next thing we know is the one year later storyline from DC Comics, where everything jumped ahead one year. And the story, Firestorm series was still going on. It was called Firestorm the Nuclear Man at this point. Uh, Professor Stein had mysteriously vanished, and Jason was merging with Firehawk to become Firestorm, uh, so he could use both his and her powers. Uh, they were looking for Stein. They finally been kidnapped by one of Stein's uh, former teaching assistants. Eventually, they were able to free him. Also, during Jason's uh, series, him and Jenna, the girl he rescued earlier on, uh, they became an item. And looking at this, just to see where I'm at, the Firestorm, the Nuclear Man, Jason Rush's Firestorm series, ended in issue 35 in April 2007. Later on, Jason and Martin Stein meet up with Shiloh Norman, who was the new Mr. Miracle at the time. And they find out that Stein and Rush as Firestorm is part of the life equation that Darkseid's always looking for. Actually, I'm sorry, Darkseid's always looking for the anti-life equation. The life equation can be used against Darkseid and, and oppose the anti-life equation if Darkseid ever found it. Uh, around this time, I said this was when I, I was... I still enjoyed comics. I just didn't have the money to go to the comic shop every week, every other week and get comics. So I was reading issues here and there as I could find online or wherever I could find them. So I'd stop buying at this point. Uh, next thing I read about, really read about him, was he sh was a big player in the Blackest Night storyline. Uh, in Blackest Night was a storyline focusing around the Green Lanterns, where a Green Lantern villain called Black Hand was using a black power ring to resurrect dead heroes for his Black Lantern course. Because over in the uh, Green Lantern universe, they've uncovered a... Uh, a host of different oh excuse me throw out that a host of different colors of green lantern there's red blue green orange there's seven different ones plus the black lanterns and eventually they had the white lanterns which I'll get to in a minute uh, so anyways as I was saying blackest night black ring or black black hand brings Ronnie back to life 
along with Barry Allen, Hal Jordan, Elongated Man, a few other uh, dead heroes. He attacks Jason Rush and absorbs him into his own Firestorm Matrix, creating someone called Deathstorm. I believe it's called Deathstorm at this time. Uh, he used the black Firestorm, skeletal face. Uh, he was basically a, a dead Firestorm, if you will. Uh, he then used Jason's ability to turn objects. In fact, I didn't really get into that, did I? Uh, Firestorm's powers, for the most part, uh, before I continue, uh, he can fly, he has an atomic blast or nuclear blast. His biggest ability he has is transmutation. He can transmute things, one thing into other things. The only thing he can't affect, mo for the most part, is organics. Uh, there's been times when he could ch do that. But that's Firestorm's biggest power is transmutation. Uh, I bring that up now because that goes in the storyline. Deathstorm used the transmutation powers to turn Jenna, Rush's, Rush's girlfriend, into a pillar of salt. Basically killing her. Uh, they go into fight. Eventually, the heroes win, and the White Lantern appears. And all the dead heroes that... Not all the dead heroes, but a handful of the dead heroes, they restore them to life. The the person that was given, bringing people back to life via Black Hand was a, an undead villain called Necron. And in the final battle against him, Ronnie is one of the people that was restored to life. Ronnie, previously being a zombie, if you will, doesn't realize that he... I don't like saying this, but he was responsible for the death of Jason's girlfriend. Though, ultimately, he wasn't really responsible because, again, he wasn't in control of his body. He was a, a zombie, if you will. Not knowing where Stein's at. Not knowing what happened with Jenna. Uh, which then leads us into the Brightest Day miniseries. In this series, Ronnie and Jason are Firestorm. Professor Stein's still a part of the, the not the Matrix, but the, the story, if you will. And he discovers that the Firestorm Matrix is a part of the Big Bang. And the one thing I remember from this storyline really, really well is that... Uh, because of what's happened in the past, Ronnie and Jason are always arguing, and it was causing issues, and Stein realized that if, if they couldn't work together, that their power together could basically cause a big bang, could restart the universe. Anyway, so they go along and they, they do the whole uh, Brightest Day storyline, and I remember near the end of that storyline that if something didn't happen, I'm trying to remember now, I remember Ronnie and Jason was afraid that within a certain amount of time, the Firestorm Matrix could go off and cause a Big Bang, recreating the universe or destroying the universe. Uh, and then DC came along and had their New 52. They had the Flashpoint storyline, which at the end of it they used it to reboot the DC universe. Uh, so everything's been restarted. Nothing before is the same, except for things they want to keep. Uh, Ronnie is a high school senior. Captain of the football team. Uh, during an attack on their school, uh, Ronnie's classmate, Jason Rush, 
gives him a, a vial that was given him by one of his teachers called Professor Stein, which contains something called the God Protocol. Protocol? Try that again. Contains something called the God Particle. Something that Martin Stein created. This particle trans both Ronnie and Jason into Firestorm. But not merged into one. They're each a Firestorm with different abilities. Uh, they too bad they battle briefly and they form those two Firestorms merge into a bigger hulking Firestorm called Fury. Uh, this goes on, like I say, for the first 12 issues. Eventually, things are rebooted, if you will. And they find out that they can now merge to become a, a more classic Firestorm, with Ronnie being the body and Jason Rush being the inside brain or conscience of Firestorm. Intelligence. And the last we've seen of Firestorm in the comics was during the recent DC crossover called, uh, uh not Village United, that was that old storyline, Forever Evil, where the Earth-3 uh, supervillains, Ultraman, Owlman, Superwoman, and so forth, and their version of Firestorm called Deathstorm, come to our universe, take it over, and they capture the entire Justice League of America within the Firestorm Matrix. There was a long drawn out story during uh, which I covered when I talked about Forever Evil, but eventually uh, the Just League is freed from the Firestorm Matrix, and I haven't really seen much of the Firestorm Matrix or Fi Firestorm Matrix. <laughs> I haven't really seen much of Firestorm except for in the current storyline called Future's End, where Firestorm Ronnie or Ronnie's being very He's tired of being Firestorm. He doesn't want to be Firestorm, so he's, he's very inconsistent. Uh, not inconsistent, but very uh, unthoughtful. Doesn't really want to be Firestorm. Meanwhile, Jason feels it's still their, their job to be Firestorm. Uh, so they're having some issues working together due to Ronnie's uh, inability to show up on time. It allowed, I think it was Green Arrow to die. So Ron, Ronnie's suffering some uh, guilt from that. I, I, again, I'm a little behind on that storyline right now. I, I've heard that a female Firestorm with Jason Rush as part of that is going to show up. Uh, we'll see what happens. But that that's Firestorm from the comics. I, I love Firestorm. Again, I wasn't a big fan of the Jason Rush era, but I'm liking the Jason and Fire, uh, Ronnie period right now, so we'll see what happens. Also, as far as TV, Firestorm was big during the legendary superpowers and the Galactic Guardians era of Super Friends. Uh, he was also showed up on Super, uh, Superman, Batman the Brave and the Bold cartoon. I wasn't a big fan of that whole series, but I'm in the minority. Uh, he was in an animated movie called Justice League Crisis on Two Earths briefly. Uh, he was on Robot Chicken's DC comic special. He showed up. I'm not sure if I'm, I like that or not. I enjoyed the episode, but 
Ronnie or Firestorm showed up in an episode of uh, basically characters that are stupid when it comes across. There was Banjo Man. I forget who the other ones were, but it was a funny little bit. I mean, it's robot chicken. You can't get too serious about it. And then finally, the most recent appearances, he's he's in Lego Batman 3. Almost everyone is, but he is in Lego Batman 3. My, son's have un- my son have un- has unlocked it. And then he gave me the controller so I could play Firestorm. I'm sitting there giving like a little schoolgirl f- playing around as a Lego Firestorm, blasting things, flying around. My son's just watching me, finding hilarious, as much fun as I'm having being Firestorm in a Lego format. Great game. Also, last but not certainly not least, he has shown up on the Flash TV series on the CW. Uh, he showed up in episode, I believe, 8, just briefly at the very end, and then 9 a little bit more. He uses his uh, fire powers to save Barry Allen from the reverse Flash. I know Shag mentioned that it looked like fire powers. I assume maybe it was some sort of nuclear blast. Because uh, at the tail end, when Ronnie Raymond became the fire elemental, I say Ronnie Raymond, Firestorm became the fire elemental during the end of John Austin's run, he did have fire abilities. But that was really the only time. The rest of the time, he just had like a nuclear blast, but his biggest thing was transmutation. Uh, so far in the show, he's had a fire blast, and he can fly. His hair's on fire. I love it. They haven't given the costume yet, but there's been photos online of a darker-looking Firestorm costume. Also, on The Flash, if you're watching that show, the uh, accelerator chamber door... If you look at that, there's the Firestorm Matrix on that also. The symbol that's on Firestorm's costume. It's like a big... looks like a sun almost. With three lines coming off one side with little balls on them. Check it out. It's really interesting. It's really cool. Another interesting thing about Firestorm on the Flash is that, as I mentioned previously, after his series was canceled back in the 70s, for a short time he was in backups in the Flash comic. And now he's backing up in the Flash TV show. So, you know, he was back, back up stories, and now he's backing up the Flash. Oh, it's a neat little twist there. I like that. But that's, anyways. But yes, Firestorm is going to be on Flash. Uh, Shag keeps joking somewhat, talking about, you know, it'll be nice. Well, he's not joking about that, but he keeps saying that, you know, maybe they'll do a Firestorm spinoff series. I would love it! It'd be fantastic if they had a Firestorm series. Not holding my breath, but it'd be very nice. Uh, Final thoughts on Firestorm and the Flash TV series. Right now, Ronnie seems very confused. Caitlin Snow, who in the comics becomes Killer Frost, was his girlfriend, fiancé on the show. Uh, She calls him Ronnie. He says, don't call me Ronnie. I'm Firestorm. He seems very confused, very amnesic, if you will. My thoughts on it, I've got two different theories on how he's going to come back as Firestorm. Either one, uh, Ronnie's at some point going to, in the near future, is going to merge with Professor Stein, and that's going to help clear his head and help him become back as the hero Firestorm and r- clear up Ronnie's head and let him split out and Ronnie become normal again. Or my second thought on something else I've heard, apparently Ronnie, uh, Jason Rush and Professor Martin Stein are going to show up in the near future, 
and they're working on a project called Firestorm. It's an it's a initials which stands for something I don't know. I'm wondering if their show up is going to be a flashback, and maybe Professor Stein's already part of the Firestorm Matrix, and that's why when Caitlin saw Ronnie called him Ronnie, and Ronnie said no, he's Firestorm. Maybe that's what the Firestorm he's referring to. Maybe he he's still amnesic. He hasn't pulled himself together yet, and that's he remembers Firestorm from the professor's memories. Uh, I don't know. Time will tell. Uh, Professor Stein's supposed to show up soon, is my understanding. Uh, they've also cast a kid, as I said, to play Jason Rush. How that's going to play out, I don't know. We'll see. And my final thought is, I, I said a few moments ago, Caitlin Snow, Ronnie's girlfriend or fiancé in the show, in the comics is a villain, a Firestorm villain called Killer Frost. Again, while she, does, she doesn't particularly have cold powers, she, she herself is freezing, and she absorbs heat from others to keep herself from freezing, and it causes them to freeze. So while she doesn't produce cold, she absorbs heat. Her fiancé is shown back up, head on fire, fire powers, if you will. I'm wondering if she's going to do something, create some sort of device to... Uh, try to cure Ronnie, and maybe that's going to explode and cause her to become Killer Frost. That's my own thoughts on the matter. I haven't heard anyone else mention that yet, so we'll see what happens. Uh, but that's about it for Firestorm for now. Uh, and while that's it for Firestorm, I do want to mention a couple other things. Like I've mentioned, check out Firestorm on CW's The Flash. It comes back on January 19th or 20th, back on the CW. Something like that. Uh, check it out. It's a great show. I love it. Fire Flash is awesome. That show's awesome. Firestorm is beyond awesome. Wonderful. Good times. Check it out. Also, uh, be sure to look on Facebook. Look for Firestorm fan. It's my buddy Shag Matthews. That's his his Facebook page. He also has a website devoted to who else? Firestorm. One of the greatest, uh, the greatest hero ever. But you can mosey on over to firestormfan.com for all of Shag's thoughts and uh, wonderful talks, discussions, pictures of Firestorm. I, I, I love that website. Uh, which brings us to the final thing I'm going to mention about for Shag is him and a buddy of his, Rob Kelly, has a fantastic podcast called the Fire and Water Podcast. I mentioned that earlier on in my episode when I talked about the podcast I listened to. They've got the Fire and Water podcast where monthly Shag talks about Firestorm. It started out talking about the first episode talked about Firestorm number one, the new 52 series. He covered the entire 21 issues. After it was canceled issue 20, the next issue he went back and he covered the ongoing Firestorm series from 1982, starting at issue 1. Uh, currently, they're up to issue 14, 15, 16, somewhere, and I forget the last one I listened to. Uh, but that's one I, I look forward to every time it's on. They have also got, as I've mentioned, every episode, the Who's Who podcast, which is part of that, uh, where they cover the Who's Who comic. Uh, they're near the end of the main Who's Who series, 
and then they'll do the updates, and then they'll do like uh, Star Trek, Legion, all the other Who Who books that DC has done. But check it out. It's the Fire and Water Podcast, available on iTunes, Stitcher, uh, wherever you get your podcasts. Look for the Fire and Water Podcast. Uh, but that's enough plugging for Shag right now. Let's go ahead and go back to my show. And, uh, oh, guess what? That's the end of What's It Head's Long Box this episode. secret governmental organization operating behind the scenes. Task Force X. Task Force X is an off-the-books government strike team made up of convicts with no hope for release, serving as expendable agents for impossible missions. Succeed, and I'll shave time off your sentences. If we don't. You'll be dead. Any other stupid questions? The Suicide Squad, ran by Amanda Waller. I'm Amanda Waller. I'm here to indoctrinate you convicts into our special forces. And there's Checkmate, ran by Harry Stein. This is the tales of DC Comics, Suicide Squad, and Checkmate. Mostly monthly from Headspeaks. Available on iTunes under Task Force X and under Headcasts over at headspeaks.com. We can also be found on Facebook and Google Plus under Task Force X. Task Force X. Check it out. Or you'll answer to the wall. Nobody screws the wall! And that's the new promo for my Task Force X headcast. If you haven't listened to it, check it out. I think it's a good listen. But that'll wrap up this month's episode of Head Speaks. Now for Head's final thoughts. Again, as always, if you want to record a message and send to me, is it like an MP3 format and I can play it on the air, feel free. Send it to me at head at headspeaks.com. Check me out on Facebook, Google+. Leave me a message. Send me an email. Contact me some way. Visit my website at headspeaks.com. Uh, from there, you can check out my normal Headspeaks website, or you can go to Headcast and you can go to the blog for either this one, Headspeaks, or Task Force X, both available from my website, headspeaks.com. Uh, but send me a message, contact me, let me know what you guys think. Again, I tried to do a shorter episode, I didn't include all the segments this time. I'm still running about an hour and a half. A bit shorter than it has been, I think. Uh, maybe next time I'll try even shorter. I don't know. We'll see. But let me know what you guys think. Also, this should come out right after New Year's. So I hope you guys had a happy New Year's. A Merry Christmas. Hope you guys have a good 2015. Uh, for everyone here at the Head Speaks Headcast, that's all the voices in my head, I want to wish you and your family a happy New Year. Uh, anyways, until next time, this is Aaron signing out. See ya. Oh, and as a PS, uh, stay tight and listen to 
after the wrap up. Stay tuned for my song, the ending song this week. Uh, you know what? I haven't decided what it's going to be yet. It'll be a surprise to me. Uh, Happy New Year. And thank you for listening to another great episode of Head Speaks. Be sure to look for me on the web. I can be found rambling on the Task Force X Headcast, where I cover all the appearances of the Ostrangers, Suicide Squad, and the Checkmate comic books from the late 80s, early 90s. My home on the Intertubes is my official website at headspeaks.com. H-E-A-D-S-P-E-A-K-S.com. Links to my blog, which contain follow-up information to this and every headcast, can be found there. I am on Facebook at HeadSpeaks, the community, not the page. The, the, community, or the page is somebody else. On Google+, look for HeadSpeaks. Please feel free to email me your bitches, moans, and gripes to HeadSpeaks at HeadSpeaks.com. Also, feel free to email any compliments you have also. In the meantime, be sure to join us here next time for another fun-filled headcast from your friendly neighborhood brother head. And be sure to tell a friend. Until next time, I'll see you in the funny pages. And I found my closing song for this week. Um, it's a little late, a week or so late, what the heck? Uh, Merry Christmas, you guys. Here's the Christmas wrap by The Treacherous Three. It's also known as Santa's Rap from the movie Beat Street. I love this song. Uh, anyways, here's Christmas Rap or Santa Rap by The Treacherous Three. All right, you people, get ready to cheer for the Christmas show at the Burning Spear. All you hip-hops are in for a treat, because Santa Claus is on Beat Street. Ho, 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 ho. Ho, ho, ho. Open up your dough. I'm Santa Claus, and guess what, y'all? I got something to show. I came to bring some Christmas spirit. I got a big bag, now guess what's in it? Something for the rich and something for the poor. So Merry Christmas and ho, ho, ho. Ho, 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 Merry Christmas, my foot. I'ma tell you what Santa really put under my so-called tree, but in reality, look like nothing but a decorated pole to me. Man, you talk about a tree, it makes me wonder, cause I never had a tree to put anything under. If I ever did look up and get a tree, there was never anything under it for me. Man, y'all should be glad that I didn't quit, cause I'm getting too old for this Santa Claus shit. Y'all think I'm getting presents made for free? I gotta pay them mails, and ain't nobody paying me. You big fat whale, you might as well quit, cause I can name a hundred presents that I didn't get. And if I did get a present, it'd be a happy. Down. Yo, I got this for Christmas, now how that sounds? It sounds good to me, cause I'm about to freeze You wanna see something? Look at the bottom of these Me and my brothers can't go out at the same time Cause a coat that's theirs is a coat that's mine Man, I know one thing, y'all better get off my neck And wait till you get your welfare check Go on down to the office and stand on the line Better hurry up, see, I got mine Jingle, jangle, jingle for the vote And once he gets your welfare check Y'all can kiss my mistletoe Oh. That's why
why the presents keep getting mixed up Cause year after year you keep fucking up And now I know why, cause you're always drunk Instead of G.I. Joe, you send me this junk That ain't a G.I. Joe, that's a G.I. Jerk With a Kung Fu grip that don't even work So all I did was just put them away Cause my G.I. Joe looks G.I. gay That's why you don't get presents now Cause you're just in grace G.I. Joe's gay, what difference does it make? After all, he's just a doll, ain't too much he can do If you ask me, boy, I ain't too sure about you Listen, Blodo, with your big fat suit Next time, say no, don't send no substitute Because I asked you for a beatbox and you know what I got? Dougie Fresh, you know that kid from down the block? Must admit, Dougie Fresh is good and made a perfect fit. He's the only reason why we weren't totally mad. Without Dougie, our Christmas would have been really sad. We'll sing Silent Night and Jingle Bells and all those Christmas rhymes. Cause nobody gives a shit about the rain and hard times. You just jingle and jangle and hang out with the folk. And when you get your welfare check, you might rain it. A magnificent force and head on out the door and leave these party people singing jingle jangle 